God brought you to this moment. Through invitations, celebrations, teachings, and difficult situations, your Heavenly Father has shaped and molded you. We all have stories of how we got to this very moment in Mass together. When you share your story, however you share it, you are inviting others to experience the life of privilege that your faith has gifted you. Telling your story helps you understand it on a deeper level, revealing why you went through challenges and how there is no explanation other than Jesus that led you to this better place. These unexplainable moments that strengthened your faith have power. That power is multiplied when shared. We're beginning a brand new message series today all about sharing our faith. More specifically, we want to inspire, encourage, and equip you to share your faith with people who have become disconnected from Christ and His church or never even ever had a connection in the first place. We believe that sharing our faith grows our faith and helps us develop a closer connection with Christ. Our faith grows when we take some time, extend some energy, and put some thought into helping other people connect. Sharing your faith helps you grow personally, just as it obviously helps the church grow corporately. We all benefit when new people who've been disconnected from a community of faith connect to our community of faith. So let me give you the whole game plan, the big picture for this series. One, we're going to share our faith with friends and family, co-workers and classmates who don't have a church family with the aim of connecting them to our church family. Two, as a result of those invitations, they will join us in person or online through our Advent season or on Christmas Eve. Three, they will have such an awesome, incredible experience. They will eagerly come back for our January series all about cultivating friends and faith, during which they will seize the opportunity to join a small group just for Lent. Four, their small group participation and our Lenten series, Rebuilt Faith, will be a life-changing experience as they start growing as Christ followers, anxious in turn to share their new faith with still others. It's a plan, right? But it all begins with knowing why it matters that we share our faith and developing a deeper understanding and appreciation of what it is we're inviting people into. To help us out and get us started, we're going to take a look at a parable from the Gospel of Matthew. And here's what Matthew writes. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Jesus constantly spoke in parables. What's that? What's a parable? Well, a parable is a succinct, didactic story illustrating a spiritual or moral principle. Jesus used parables because they're interesting and entertaining and they're easy to remember. 
In reflecting on Jesus' parable, the parables, the truth of the teaching behind the stories can catch the listener by surprise. And that element of surprise can make a difficult truth, which we might otherwise resist or reject, easier to appreciate and accept. This was definitely true for the chief priests and elders who opposed Jesus. They didn't like him, not at all. But in the parables, Jesus gives them an opportunity, despite their animosity, to slow down and listen and see the truth of his teaching. In today's parable, Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven, also called the kingdom of God elsewhere in the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven concerns the rule and reign of God whenever and wherever the will of God is being served. And he compares the kingdom of heaven to a wedding. In Jewish culture at that time in that place, weddings were a great big deal, even more so than they are today. There simply was no bigger party than a wedding party. It would go on for days. The entire town would attend, eating and drinking, playing music and dancing, and simply celebrating a break from the grim monotony of their daily lives. So, any wedding would have been a big deal, but this wedding was an even bigger deal because it wasn't just any wedding. It was a royal wedding, a lavish royal wedding. So, of course, everyone would want to come, right? Wrong. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. It's always the thing with Jesus' parables. There's always a twist, an unexpected turn of events, an overturning of expectations, often an utterly absurd twist that would have been laugh-out-loud funny to his audience. The king sends out servants to extend his invitation, and the people invite decline the invitation. But notice, they don't do so politely. They refuse to come. Their response is outright rude. The parable continues. A second time, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. The custom of the culture at that time dictated that two invitations would be sent out before a wedding. We do something similar today. The first invitation was a sort of save-the-date kind of invitation. It meant to let people know the party was coming, so start getting ready, clear your calendar, break out your Sunday best. The second invitation was sent to announce the party had started. Come on over. And what was the result? Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. That the initial invitation provoked a rude response was insulting. That the invitation then elicits utter indifference was humiliating. And that finally it incites violence was appalling. Here again is another twist, this time provoking not laughter, but disbelief. Of course, the king in the story eventually sends his army to defend his honor and restore good order. But he still wants to have a party for his son. So what does he do? 
Then he said to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Were not worthy to come. Go therefore into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The first group of of guests were unworthy to come to the wedding. Why? For one simple reason. They rejected the invitation. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike. Bad and good alike. And the hall was filled with guests. The first group of guests were unworthy to come to the wedding for one simple reason. They rejected the invitation. So he sends out his servants to invite others who are worthy to come to the wedding also for one simple reason. They accept the invitation. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. Bad and good alike. It didn't matter. The only criterion for coming to the wedding was a willingness to accept the invitation. The servants saw someone. They made an invitation to the party. They followed the orders of their king and brought as many people as they could into the feast. And what happened? The king had his wish. The party for his son was filmed. Now, we've said before, in a parable, someone is usually God and someone is usually us or the people to whom Jesus addressed the parable or both. In this parable, clearly, the wedding party is the kingdom of heaven. The king represents God the Father. The guests who refuse to come to the party represent the chief priests and the religious rulers who outright reject Jesus. But the guests who refuse the invitation also represent anyone and everyone who feels like they're on their own, that they're just doing fine on their own, and they don't really need God. Or maybe they're even mad at God. But what about us? Who are we in the story? Well, we're rather like the king's servants. Jesus calls us to identify specifically with the king's servants. We serve God and his purposes when we make an invitation to join the wedding feast that God is throwing for his son. Christian life is, first of all, about accepting that invitation. It's about saying yes to that invitation. But it's also, at least eventually, about making an invitation. As servants of the king, we are privileged to be able to make the invitation. So when it comes to sharing your faith, I just want to take a moment to give you a little good news and a little bad news. The good news about sharing your faith, we don't share our faith because we're right and everybody else is wrong. We don't share our faith because we're trying to trick people into joining our club or strong-arming them into believing what we believe or just because we want to be the biggest church on York Road. We share our faith because we want what's best for people. We want them to enjoy a more successful life. While some people do reject or ignore God outright, it's clear that Many people stay away from God and His church because they don't feel welcome. They don't feel welcome. They never got 
the invitation. At its core, sharing your faith with others is about an invitation. An invitation to a celebration. That's uh, the biggest celebration of all, the biggest celebration ever, the kingdom of heaven. Here at the Eucharist, we participate, we anticipate the kingdom of heaven. And that experience can impact and change and even transform our daily lives. In turn, we love people best when we care enough about them to invite them to this experience. The greatest value you and I can ever add to someone else's life is to help them see clearly and experience authentically the truth of the kingdom of heaven as they can experience it here at the Eucharist. Our role is not to discern who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong, who's worthy and who's not worthy. Our role is not to discern who will accept and who will reject the invitation. Our role is to make the invitation. That's the good news. The bad news is that some people will indeed decline the invitation. Some people will not say yes. Church has become so associated with judgmentalism and corruption that they will not accept the invitation. Perhaps they'll even angrily reject the invitation. Others simply misunderstand the invitation. They think an invitation to church and a relationship with God is an invitation to membership in a discredited and outdated institution, an invitation to embrace religion and religious rule-keeping, an invitation to accept the yoke of dogma and doctrine. They think the invitation demands that they clean up their act before they ever even step foot in those front doors. But back to the good news, our role is not to worry about the results. Just make the invitation. How? Well, our strategy is simple. We've talked about it before. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in friends, family members, co-workers, classmates, disconnected from Christ and His church, and when appropriate, invite them to join us here on Ridgely Road, or join us online, or perhaps first one and then the other. How do you invest in people? We invest by adding value to their lives. We look for opportunities to serve them in simple ways, a kindness, a courtesy, a favor. Take time to have casual conversations and put a little extra effort into the conversation. Take them to breakfast or lunch or have coffee with them. Coffee makes everything better. These are ways we invest in relationships. It's not manipulation. It's about opening the door to friendship that can open the door to faith. And of course, the entire effort should be approached in prayer so that it's never disingenuous. So for today, as we begin this series, think about someone you could invite. Who is someone you like? Who is someone you like who doesn't have a church family? Who is someone you like who doesn't have a church family who might find a home here in our church family? As you leave church today, we're going to give you a card. Digital version is also available online for our online congregation. You can use this card throughout the series. Keep it on your desk. Put it on your refrigerator door or your laptop. It's just a place where you can list your invitees 
who you're investing in, who you're praying for. A study released just this week, coincidentally, from the Barna Religious Research Group found that 82%, 82% of unchurched people would actually consider attending church if a friend invited them. Meanwhile, the same study found that only 2% of churchgoers acknowledge that they've ever even made such an invitation. You know what? We can do better than that. Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.